Uh, we are in part 10 of a series through the Gospel of Matthew. And um, I know for me, it's, it's just digging into this. It is challenging. It is good. Uh, as much as I'm preaching to you guys, I'm preaching to myself as well. Uh, and we are kind of wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount today. Uh, and we're going to go all the way through Matthew chapter 7, which I'm super stoked about and just excited to see what God is going to do. Uh, one of the central themes that Jesus is trying to convey and the writer Matthew is trying to convey about Jesus in the Sermon of the Mount is, is that we as followers of Jesus Christ are called to two primary things. Everything Jesus hits on, everything that Jesus talks about is dealing with two primary things. First and foremost, our love for God. It is all about us stirring our affection, stirring our love for Jesus. And we see this in the Beatitudes, right? And then the second thing that we see is our love for people, how we treat people, especially those who have attacked us or hurt us, people that have maybe um, we've been estranged from for a certain amount of time. Everything in the Beatitudes can, can boil back down to these two primary statements. And this is, I believe, our third or fourth week in the Beatitudes. Um, and so, and as we're going to see today, you're going to see that we're, we're dealing with loving God and with loving people. The bottom line, that is it. If you get nothing else, loving God and loving people. That being said, we're going to dive right in because we have a lot to cover. Matthew chapter 7, picking up in verse 1. Judge not... That you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Verse 6. And do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs. Your translation may say swine. Lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. This is what I would say probably the most misunderstood passage or text in Scripture. And I'm going to get to that in just a moment. Um, but but the, the theme that we're seeing right here is how we treat other people. And you can essentially say it like this, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. This applies financially. We reap what we sow. If we sow bountifully, we're going to reap bountifully. Uh, this applies in relationships with one another. Uh, if we sow into a relationship, we are going to end up reaping uh, the benefits of sowing into that relationship, a stronger relationship, a stronger community. Uh, this also applies with serving. If we sow through our talents or through our giftings to serve the community or serve the local church, we are going to reap something, uh, a harvest of righteousness that comes from that. The same thing also applies whenever we judge other people. Now, I, 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 the reason I say this is the most misunderstood text, I've kind of got three subpoints with this, is because people use this to say, you can't judge me. It says not to judge me, right here. And that's where I want to start with this. That is theologically, biblically false. 
We as Christians are called to judge. There's a caveat. We are called to judge other Christians. And, and this, is, this is what I mean by that. Um, John, in the Gospel of John, John says, judge with a righteous judgment. Meaning that we are to look to our brothers and look to our sisters who profess the name of Jesus Christ. And we are to judge them based upon what they are doing in their life. And I want, I want to make this clear. If you see someone who's living and walking in sin, is the most loving thing that you can do just let them continue to live in sin? If, if we are called to love God and to love people, the most loving thing that you can do is to call sin what it is, sin. And it got really quiet in here. Like, you told me to come to this church, that it was really cool, and just, just hear me out, just hear me out. Um, we are to call sin out rightly, and we are also called to restore rightly. So number one is with this, uh, it's a misunderstood text. Christians are called to judge other Christians. We'll talk about that more in just a second. The second thing I want to say, and I better get some amens for this, all right? We are not called to judge non-believers. There we go. Thank you. This is something that I often see. If someone is not a follower of Jesus Christ, it is not your responsibility to go up to them and condemn them and to judge them because they have no biblical understanding of what Jesus calls us to. If anything, you're going to be judged by other people for how you're responding to that person who's far from God. And I see this far too often. And listen, we are in an election year. And, and how often do we see this on like social media? We're going to be talking about politics a lot without actually talking about politics just because it's an election year and it's like 2020 all over again. I'm just waiting for the new plague to hit us, right? You know, um, I mean, come on, the Chiefs won again. All right, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But we are not called to judge non-believers. If we are called to love them, we are called to extend grace, we are called to be in relationship with them, we are not called to judge them. The, the third thing I want to say is before we judge, and this is what Jesus is trying to say right here, we need to inspect our own heart. We need to inspect our own heart and we need to make sure that we don't have any glaring sin in our own heart whenever we go and we talk to someone about their struggles or about their sin. And there is a right way and there is a wrong way to call someone out, okay? And, and that's something that I want to talk about because I think, I think we think that because we're Christians, we can just judge other Christians and we just go up to people and we just say what we want to say and we call it righteous judgment when really we're just being a jerk, okay? There is a right way to call someone out and there is a wrong way to call someone out. I want to start with the wrong ways. Um, and this is just some of the com common things that I see. Uh, a wrong way to call someone out is on social media. I'm so tired of churches calling out other churches. Like, I'm, I'm so, how many, how many celebrity pastors get called out by other churches that are smaller than theirs when really the pastor's just super jealous and insecure with who he is and with God, with what God has entrusted, so he's just going to attack all these other, other pastors. I saw it yesterday. I saw Dr. Bob, who, who runs Koinonia, is, is, spoke yesterday at Lakewood Church, and I saw someone make a comment about, like, well, at least they're going to hear the gospel. What a jerk move to say, man. 
What a jerk move to say. You don't know, you know, Pastor Olstein. Like, and, and I see that. And, and here's why. Because, I, like, I got to pull up my phone. There we go. I'm not used to these pants. Anyways, we get behind our screen and we just start attacking people, right? Because um, they don't know me. So I can just sit there and I can just hurl my comments on Instagram and on Facebook and Twitter, a.k.a. X. I mean, that's the worst right there. Like, I mean, the stuff that I see, I'm just like, seriously, people? The wrong way to call people on their sin is through social media. Another wrong way is whenever you have no relationship with the person. We, like, hey, man, I saw, you, I saw you doing this and you're living that way. You have no idea the context. You have no idea what they've been through. You have no idea the pain or the hell that they've had to walk through or maybe that they're working out right now. And oftentimes, Christians, we have no relationship with another Christian, and we think that we can just call them out because we're all that in a bag of potato chips. The, the third thing, and this is not my favorite, but it's, I'm going to make fun of it because I see it all the time, um, is we gossip about the person in the name of, I need advice, or let's pray for brother such and such or sister Sue. Like, hey, have you, ever, have you ever been, you know, like someone comes up to you and it's just like, hey, I don't know if you heard, but Pastor Mike, he just needs a lot of prayer right now. Did you hear that he went and got a tattoo the other day? And I just don't know how I feel about getting tattoos. Clearly, I got a tattoo. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Like, I can't believe he did that. Isn't there that scripture in Leviticus? Like, I just, I don't even, is that, that man, he isn't even working with God anymore. I don't know why I'm talking in a southern accent. It's the Tennessee, right? It's, but, but like. Like, man, don't gossip about it. I, I got an opportunity last Sunday to visit Way Church, who we have been sewing into, Pastor Noah and Maddie Heron. And Maddie spoke, and she was talking about James chapter 3. And then Noah came up at the end, and it was, it was a great sermon. And, and he was talking about if someone's going to talk about somebody else and you're there, Here's one way to diffuse that. If someone comes up, and let's just say I go up to Micah, and I'm like, hey, Micah, can, can you believe what, you know, Kevin did? And, like, I can't, be, you know, pause the conversation and say, hey, does Kevin need to be here for this? Well, I, you know, I just need some advice, and we just got to pray. No, 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 no. I think it's best if you go talk to Kevin. And then you, you know what that does? It stops gossip. It stops division in the church. Now, here are some right ways to um, judge someone. Have a relationship with them. Like, actually be friends with them. Be in a group with them. Hang out with them. This is, this is why I love, and I'll use Nathan as an example, because uh, Nathan has done this to me multiple times, and, and our elders have too. Uh, but Nathan has multiple times come to me and said, hey, I don't think that you should be doing this. Or, hey, you need to check your heart about this area right here. And Nathan can do that because he has speaking permission in my life because he's invested, he's sown into the relationship, and because he's sown into the relationship, there's going to be a reaping in the relationship whenever he calls me on my stuff. So the other thing is the right way to do it is to uh, make sure your heart and your motive is pure. Make sure you're like, are you attacking the person or are you going to the person to call them out because maybe you're disgruntled with something in your own heart and you just don't want to admit it? And then the third thing that I would say is when you 
call someone out, when you bring um, a righteous judgment and your heart's pure, you have a relationship with them, this is what I would say is the absolute best thing you can do. Offer support. Offer support, accountability, friendship. Hey, let's talk this through. I'm going to be here for you. Uh, we're going to walk through this. You know what that's called? Gospel-centered community. Gospel-centered community, what all of us are called into. All right, continuing on. Verses 7 through 11. He continues, and he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find it. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. For which one of you, if his son asked him for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Here's the second point today. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock. Um, in Jewish culture, anytime a rabbi, a teacher, would use three examples about around one particular topic, they were trying to convey the severity of this point. And so we see this all throughout the, the New Testament. But Jesus with this, he says, ask and you will receive. And he could have stopped right there. But then he says, no, no, no. Not only do you ask, you need to seek. Essentially saying the same thing. You, you need to ask, right? Seek and you will find. And then he goes a step further and he says, hey, not only do I want you to ask, I want you to seek, I also want you to knock. And he gives these three illustrations, basically saying that we as believers in Christ need to be pursuing Jesus, need to be pursuing a relationship with our Heavenly Father, and ultimately we need to seek truth. We need to seek truth, especially nowadays in the culture that we live in. The culture that, that says what's true for you is not necessarily true for me. And what's true for me is not necessarily true for you. We live in a culture that is dominated on you following your own heart, you following your own desires. And how's that working out for us? How's that working out for our country right now? I'm not calling them out. I'm calling, like, let's just call out the Christians. How's that working out for the American church right now? Thank you. I agree with Jerry 100%. Someone better amen him right there. Like. But in all seriousness, like, this idea of trust your heart and trust your own desires and trust your, your feelings, man, it's leading people astray. Jesus, if our motivation is to pursue Jesus and to find Jesus, then Jesus will lead us into truth. And as Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Now there's also another part of this that I, I just want to hit on for just a few moments and just share a, a few stories. Um, don't be afraid to ask God for things. Like, I think sometimes as, as Christians, we're, we're, you know, first off, we're, we're children of God, man. Like, and God loves us. Like, I, I think of, my son is not at all afraid to ask dad for anything. I, my daughter is not afraid to ask dad 
for anything. I'm, I'm like, we're getting in trouble. They're getting in trouble. Yeah, I, Judah, you can't do this. Allie, you can't do this. And two minutes later, they're like, Dad, can we go to Stewart so you can get us Pop Rocks? <laughs> I'm not buying you Pop Rocks for the 17th time since Friday. You know what they did on the way to church this morning? I stopped at Stewart's, and Allie goes, hey, Dad. You know, your sweet little voice. Hey, Dad, are you going to get us Pop Rocks? And I'm like, no, I ain't getting you Pop Rocks. Like, go get them from school. I'm not putting any candy in your body before church. You're already crazy enough, right? Like, but, like, if, if my kids can talk to me that way, how much more should we be asking God for things? How, how, like, God knows the desires of your heart. And if the desires of your heart are not in line with his, he will correct your desires to bring them in line with his. Just a, just a few stories. Um, my mom, y'all that know my mom, and she's watching right now, mom, I love you. And I mean this for real from the bottom of my heart. This is one of the best traits. I'm looking at the camera right now. Like, I mean this, mom. This is one of the best traits that I learned from you. My mom is not afraid to ask God for the most ridiculous things in the world. Michael, I, I was praying for a china set with roses on the dishes. And Michael, I went into the thrift store, and they had them for a dollar, a whole set. I was just like, well, thank you, God. Like, Michael, I needed a new dresser. And I was just driving by, and there was this wooden oak dresser just on the side of the road. And, Michael, I called your brother Eric, and he went and picked it up. I've been praying for that for three weeks, and God answered my prayers. Like, and, and I mean that, y'all, who, how many of you guys know my mom? I know, like, some of, all right, some of y'all know my mom. How many of you know that that's so true of her? Like, it, I, and mom, I mean that for real. I like I go to her with serious issues, and she's like, well, Michael, you just need to ask God and pray. Let's just pray right now. God, I just pray that you would give Michael the courage to be able to ask you. And I'm just like, oh, thanks, mom, you know. Um, <laughs> but I, I, mean that, I mean that for real. That is, that is my mom, and I've, I've, learned, I've learned that. Like, don't be afraid to ask God for what it is you need. Also about the desires of your heart, just a, a quick story um, back, back, in, back in the day, whenever I had a little bit of hair. Um, I, I wanted, I always, this is, and I've shared this story before, I've I always wanted to drive a bus. That's, <laughs> thanks. I've always wanted to drive a bus, right? I've always wanted to teach marching music, marching percussion, battery is what they call it in the South. And I always wanted to be a youth pastor. And, and those were like, like, I kid you not, as a five-year-old, I would drive, drive around. I would ride my bike pretending that I was a bus letting off the invisible kids, you know? Like, <laughs> here's your stop, Johnny, you know? And they would get off. I, I kid you not. Like, like I, even now, I can distinctively remember the route that I would take, you know, um, before GPS was a thing on my little bicycle. And I was probably 20, 21 years old. I was teaching marching percussion. I was a youth pastor, and I was on my way to camp, and I was driving, I was driving the short bus to camp, okay? <laughs> but, like, I was, I was driving the bus, and, and God just reminded me, no, no offense to those that, anyways, God just reminded me, um, <laughs> yeah, thank you, God reminded me, God reminded me, like, hey, these were the desires of your heart, these are the desires of your heart, and I was like, Oh my gosh, how cool is that God um, that I'm able to like walk in this and fulfill that? So that's just a, a humorous thing. 
Um, I haven't driven a bus since then. We also got a flat tire, and it did not go very well. All right. Now, I want to talk about something more serious. Micah and I, we went to go get tattoos on Monday uh, down in Tennessee, and the guy that was recommended to us has basically tattooed like half the staff at this church. And we got into conversation with him, and, and this was a guy, his name is Zane, and he's an incredible artist. Um, and while we were down there, uh, we, we got to talking to Zane. And Zane, what I loved about him is he wanted to know our story. And, and so we were sharing um, our story to like salvation and how I ended up in New York and how I met my wife. And Micah was sharing his story. Uh, and then he got to talking about his story. And he grew up in a, in a charismatic environment. Uh, he grew up in an, in an environment that believed God for healing and believed God for uh, the miraculous things. But then his son was diagnosed with brain cancer. Three tumors. He's had three tumors in his brain. And I believe his son is 12 years old right now. And he got to a point where he just accepted, this is the fate of my child. Like, this is what we've, you know, been handed and what we've been dealt with. And so I'm going to live my life. And I'm going to try to be the best husband and the best father taking care of my son who's had multiple brain surgeries, who's gone through chemotherapy and different treatments, and who continuously keeps getting these, these tumors popping up in his brain. And then he started attending the Experienced Community Church. And one night, right before he was going in to go get another MRI scan of his brain, his son, Pastor Corey, Phil, Savut, and I believe it was one other person, showed up at Zane's house and knock on the door. Zane opens the door, and they're like, hey, we just want to pray for your son before tomorrow's MRI scan. And they walked in there, and they did what Zane had not done. They asked God for healing. And they prayed for that 12-year-old. And that 12-year-old went in the next day to the doctor, and Micah can testify. He showed us the MRI scans, and the tumor was completely gone. Ask, ask, seek, knock. Verses 12 through 14. He says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So I, I just want to hit on this for just a moment. This is the golden rule, man. This is the golden rule. We, we learned this in elementary school, right? And we said this a few weeks ago, but the condition of your heart is best seen at how you treat others. This is going back to reaping and sowing. Man, if, if you're a jerk to everyone, do you really think that people are going to want to be around you? If you're constantly lying to those around you, do you think people are going to trust you? If you're someone who you just constantly has a chip on their shoulder, do you think people are going to open up their heart to you? I, I think about my father, and as much as I loved him and God redeemed his life. I remember as a 19-year-old going in to go pay my truck bill 
at the, the local credit union and the bank teller saying that your father is one of the rudest, most angry men I've ever met. And it was truth. He was. That's the reputation that my father had. And because of that, he didn't have a lot of friends. People were not calling him to hang out. His family was pushed away from him. And it was only by the grace of God that he got to a place where he repented and he met Jesus and God transformed his life before he passed away. How you treat other people matters. How you respond to other people matters. How you treat your family, your husband, or your wife matters to God. And in light of what God has done for you, how should you treat other people? And, and then he says, he says this, Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Narrow is the gate that leads to life. But what he also says about that is, Narrow is the gate and hard is the life. Look, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. Following Jesus is not easy. And anyone who tells you that it is easy is lying to you. It is hard, it is difficult, and it requires work. The other thing that I just want to say, because I want to make sure I'm constantly pointing back to Jesus and the truth and the gospel, this philosophy and this idea that is out there where, where all world religions point to the same path is bogus junk. It is junk. Jesus makes it very clear. There is only one way to the Father, and that is through me. Only one way. And so that is why we want to constantly be pointing people to Jesus. That's why we want to constantly be talking about the, the, the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus. That is why we want to constantly be pointing people to the truth of the gospel of Jesus. Because if we truly love God, and if we truly love people the way God has called us to love people, eternity and that burden on our hearts should be there for those that we are in relationship with who are far from God, who are caught up into some lie thinking that they found truth. Meanwhile, we have the truth and we have the answer and we're doing nothing with it. There is only one way. The gospel is very inclusive while being extremely exclusive. And, and here's what I mean by this. Jesus calls all to come and follow him. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter how you identify. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter your history. It doesn't matter the sin that you've done. Jesus calls you to follow him. But following him requires a cost and that cost is to lay down your life for his glory. That cost is to renounce other world religions. That cost is to renounce witchcraft and manipulation and demonology that is infiltrating our world right now. That cost is to follow one way. And so in that sense, all are welcome few will find it. Few will find it because they're following the desires of their heart instead of truly seeking truth that will minister and restore their soul. He continues on. We'll pick it up. Verses 15 through 20. 
He says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn brushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Um, going back to judgment, we are called to judge other Christians, right? We are called to judge them based upon the fruit that is produced in their life. Listen, there's this idea out there that only healthy things grow. That's a lie. All things grow. All things grow. A beautiful orange tree. I'm just thinking of spring right now. Or tulips in the park. Can't come any quicker. I'm ready for that sunshine. I'm ready for that 50-degree weather. I'm ready for Tulip Fest, all right? Um, all of that, it's beautiful, and it's good, and it's healthy, and that grows. But at the same time, cancer grows. If you work in a toxic work environment, don't raise your hand, but if you work in a toxic work environment, the toxicity in that environment will grow on the other coworkers and employees. Just as much as good things grow, bad things grow as well. And we will know whether it is good or whether it is bad based upon the fruit that it produces. And, and so what is the, the fruit? I just, I just want to read this quickly. Galatians, Paul talks about this, the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, chapter 5, verse 22. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, self-control. Against such things there is no long law. And then I just want to read this. It's not going to be on the screen. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You know how you can see if someone is truly maturing in their relationship with God? How they treat other people. How they love other people. How much self-control they have. How much gentleness we have. Listen, I know we're New Yorkers. I'm claiming it. I'm a New Yorker now. I've been up here long enough, all right? Like, th thank you. Thank you. I've never felt so loved. Like, but... Come on, New Yorkers, we're brash. Get out of my way, you moron, right? Like, we go to the supermarket, and we, we don't want to talk to the cashier. Like, we just, we want the supermarket to, like, check out, and, like, and that's why we go to, that's why we go to the self-checkout now, right? We don't want to talk to people, so I'm going to go. My wife is over there, and she's like, yeah. <laughs> like, but our gentleness, our gentleness should be evident to all people in light of what God has done in our hearts. Self-control. You know what this fast has taught me? Self-control is something I need to work on. I, I, there are things that God has highlighted in this 40-day fast that I didn't think were an issue that I've been talking to my wife, and I have to surrender to the Lord because it's been an issue. 
And when we do that, that is the Holy Spirit bearing good fruit in our lives. Verses 21 through 23, and this is, we're going to start to wrap up. Oh, I turned the page. That's next week. And that's next week, too. All right, there we go. Oh, it is right here. Okay, all right, I already turned the page. I was like, where are we? All right, not everyone, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Or your, your translation may say, depart from me, you workers or you evildoers. Like, I, this is dangerous, guys. Like, like, let's just have a real talk conversation for just a moment. This is dangerous because there are people in ministry right now who are preaching in the name of Jesus, praying for people in the name of Jesus, serving in the name of Jesus, who are doing it all in vain because they don't even know who Jesus is. They are so called up in performing for Jesus instead of surrendering to Jesus. Listen, if your relationship with Christ is all about you doing and not you surrendering, you may need to check some things in your relationship with Christ. Yes, out of that, we do work. Out of that, we have ministry and we serve the poor and we do all these things. But if all we're focusing on is doing, 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 doing to where we can look at all the great things that we did in the name of Jesus and we're never on the floor repenting of our sins and being honest with God and surrendering the hard things in our life to God, there may be something out of check. We have far too many pastors and preachers who are trying to do the work of Jesus without actually knowing Jesus. Keenan, who is coming up to Revo Conference in, in, in two months or so, um, he made this post a day or two ago, and I got to see him in Nashville. I love that dude. Um, but he said, if there are pastors and there are worship leaders who hear their voice more in a microphone than God hears your voice throughout the week, they don't need to be on that stage. We need people to have that relationship with Jesus. And out of that, things flow. Man, that, that terrifies me. Because I don't want to get to my last day and I breathe my last breath and I go before God at the pearly gates and I stand before him in, in eternity and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. But, but God, look at, look at City Church and look at the ministry and the missions trips that I've done. And that's a sobering feeling right there. My fear is many of us, this is what we get wrapped in. And this is why it is important to look at the full gospel and the full text and the full Bible and the heartbeat of God. This is why I am adamantly against the prosperity gospel. Because the prosperity gospel is going to tickle your ears. It's going to say things that make you hoot and holler. Meanwhile, it never points you to the Savior, Jesus Christ. 
And at the same time, we have the social gospel that is all about you working and doing things in the name of Jesus and serving the poor and taking care of them. Meanwhile, you don't know the Savior yourself. Both the prosperity gospel and the social gospel are sending people to hell because they're not introducing people to Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, who is Lord. Jesus, who's sitting on that throne and who's interceding for you and for me. He continues on as we wrap this up. He says, everyone, now this is the end of his sermon and he preached it much more eloquently than I did. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Meaning the storms of life are going to come. If you're not walking through it right now, it isn't a matter of if it's going to come. It's a matter of when is it going to come. The challenges are going to face you. The challenges are going to face me. The challenges are going to face your marriage. Or in school, you're going to be experiencing different challenges. And when the challenges come, how strong your house, your life stands is going to be based upon what you build your life on. And so he says, this is the wise man. And then he says this. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. When the rain fell and when the floods came and when the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell, uh, and it fell the great was the fall of it. And then Jesus finished up and he said, and when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teachings, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. Now, I, I want us to, as we close out today, I want to ask you, what are you building your life on? What are you building your life? Because the house that Jesus is talking about is your life. You're building a house in your life. What's your motivation behind the things that you do? Behind the activities that you're in? Behind the relationships that you have? I've said this multiple times, and it's going to come up multiple times throughout this series. We build our lives upon the word of God. And we submit under the word of God. And in between that is our life. And the storms of life will come. The challenges will come. The testing seasons will come if they're not already there for some of us. What are we putting our trust in? When we sin, what are we doing with our sin? Are we repenting before God? Are we bringing our burdens and our challenges and our struggles to him and laying it down and saying, God, I need help with this? What are we doing? 
I want to do something different. I'm going to pray in just a moment, and I'm going to go and invite the prayer team to come up here. If you guys would, we're just going to ask the prayer team to just line up here. And if we could kill the lights in here. Here's what I'd like for us to do. If you need prayer, if you need prayer, and it doesn't have to be anything that we talked about today, it could be literally for anything. Maybe you need prayer believing God for a healing or a miracle. Maybe you need prayer in your marriage. Maybe you need prayer for a sin issue that you're dealing with. Or maybe you just need prayer because you're struggling inside and you need some encouragement, man. Let's pray for each other. And then for the rest of us, what I'd like us to do is if you feel led, we have communion in the back, right where the light is, the only light on back there. If you want to take communion and have a moment of self-reflection, I want to invite you to do that. Go grab the elements, come back to your seat, and maybe you as an individual or you as a family, you respond to the gospel by reflecting on the sacrifice, the body that was broken and the blood that was shed for the covering of a multitude of sins. And I'm going to ask that we just sit here for a few minutes and we just wait and we let the Holy Spirit speak to us today. We repent where we need to repent. We ask forgiveness where we need to ask forgiveness. We seek God where we need to seek God. And we create that space. And so I'm going to pray, and if you need prayer, come on up. If you would like to take communion, the elements are in the back. And for the rest of us, I'm just going to ask that we honor this moment and we reflect on the goodness of God today. Father, we love you, and it is in your name that we are saved. And God, we know that you are a healer like what Zane's son experienced. And Father, we know that you are a redeemer like what many of us in this room have experienced. God, we know that you are a comforter. And Lord, we ask right now that we would examine our hearts, God, and where there are areas in our heart and in our lives that we need to repent of. God, we repent. Father, where we need encouragement and prayer, God, we ask for that. And God, I just ask that right now in this moment and in this space that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts. That God, we would not be like the foolish man building our lives upon our own desires and our own wants, our own aspirations, but that we would be like the wise man who built his life upon the firm foundation, which is the word of God and Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, the perfecter of our faith. And so God, we need you. God, I need you today. Father, I need more of your grace. I need more of your love. And God, we call out to you to do what only you can do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. If you need prayer, I want to invite you forward. For the rest of us, the elements are open in the back if we feel led to take communion. But let's just sit in this moment.
and let's let God do what only God can do.